In Ma'is Tzur, I would say the highlight stanza is the one that pertains to Hanukkah. The other stanzas before that are the other major Nisim, the Golosin and the Nisim that happened prior to Hanukkah. But the one Charuz, the one part of Ma'isur that pertains to Hanukkah is of course Yivanim. And the verses there go, Yivanim nikbitsu alai, the Yivanim, they gathered against us, azai bimei chashmanim, from the time of the chashmanim, ufartsu chaymes migdalai, and they pierced through the walls of our towers, vitimu kalashmanim, and they are metame, they defiled all of the oils, and from the leftover oil, from the leftover flasks, a miracle happened for the roses, for Klal Yisrael. I had two questions. There are many, many questions on this, uh, on these sukkim, on these verses, but two things that that struck me as a bit odd. The first thing is just purely grammatical. When it says, Yevanim nikbitsu alai, it should have said, either bimei chashmanim or az bimei chashmanim. What is azai bimei chashmanim? What is that extra yud doing there? Azai bimei chashmanim. If you look at the mefarshim, like arts girl, it says that uh, it just means it means Oz. It's just like a nice flourish for the word Oz. Should say Oz. It says Azai. That's just a grammatical point to keep in mind. But I think the more pressing question is, and maybe you had this as I was translating it. It says that the Ivanim were vitimu kalashmanim. They defiled kalashmanim, all of the oil. Okay, that when I I assume that they mean that literally, all the oil was defiled. But then it says uminaisar kankanim There was some extra flasks of oil, and that uh, that's where the miracle arose for the for for the shoshanim uh, for klal yisrael. was there oil or was there no oil? If there was oil, so then, uh, so then it wasn't v'timu kalashmanim. There was oil. Okay, they didn't get to all of it. They got to a lot of it. They didn't get to all of it. So say that v'timu roivashmanim. kankanim. And if there was, uh, and if there was no oil, so say v'timu kalashmanim. And then where is the nicer kankanim? Now the truth is that it's not really a kasha on the ma'isur. It's a kasha on the gemara. Because the Gemara and Shabbos, where of course the Maisur is coming from, the Gemara and Shabbos says, when describing this whole nais on Tafchafal from Abayz, Vitimu Kalashmanim, Shebehechal, Badkuv Loi Matsu El Apachachachat Shal Shaman, Shayamunach Bechaisamish Kalgadol. So really the Gemara really has to be analyzed deeper because it says the same thing in the Gemara. The Gemara says that they are Mitame Kalashmanim Shebehechal. But then they checked and they found a pach shemen that was munach b'chaisamah shalkayin gadol, but it's very strange. Was all the shmanim defiled or was most of it defiled? Those are my two questions on, on this paragraph of Maizzor. Now the truth is that in Parshas Vayishlach, we find a very, very similar parallel to what I am just asking about. And from there, if we analyze this Yisait in Parshas Vayishlach, I think we're going to be amazed at the, the answer that we're going to be able to glean tonight. It says, Vayavar es hasher Yaakov, we know, he took all of his possessions over Nar Yabaik, 
with his family. This is prior to the encounter with Esav. He moved all of his stuff. But the Mepharshim say means he took all of his stuff with him. And then it says, That Yaakov remained alone, meaning, Rashi says, He forgot on the other side of the river these very small jugs. And he went back to fetch them. And of course, that was the night that he met the Sarashal Esav. He wrestled with the Sarashal Esav. And we know that that itself has a lot of meaning to Klal Yisrael throughout history, Bifrat Hanukkah. But that's another discussion. But before we get there, it's an interesting thing because it says that he took all of his stuff but then it says he went back because he was shachach pachem ketanim. So again, we can ask the same question. He took all of his stuff. That presumably means he took everything. But then he is shachach pachem ketanim. So he didn't take everything. So which one is it? Did he take everything or did he leave some things? So if you look at the Mepharshim on Rashi, there's a whole chumash we have downstairs with many, many mefarshim on Rashi. So a few of them bring the marshal. The great marshal is quoted by at least two of these mefarshim on Rashi. And this is what the marshal, Zechreinu Levracha, says. That the way that Rashi knew that he went back because he forgot Pachem Ketanim was precisely this. Rashi was bothered that if it says that he took over everything, then how could he have, what did he go back for? The only thing plausible to say is that he went back for something very insignificant that you wouldn't even consider to be something to leave back. So for example, if let's say, uh, you know, you go to a hotel and then um, you leave over in the room your toothbrush, a dollar toothbrush. You're already driving, you know, 30 miles away from the hotel. Can you honestly say to people, I took, I, I packed up all, all my stuff and I went? You could because the toothbrush is so insignificant that it wouldn't matter if you took your, you know, if you, took, if you lost a suitcase, if you left your suits there, if you left your, uh, your, your phone there, that would be something to go back for. But a toothbrush is something so insignificant that you could honestly say, I, I really, I packed up my room. Yaakov Avinu packed up all of his stuff, that's true. But he must have left something that he went back for. What could that have been? Something so insignificant that it's not even on the radar screen, but for Yaakov Avinu it was, and that was Pachem Ketanim. He quotes the Marshal, says that there's a Gemara that, that says... By Nezek, Lerabe's Pachem Ketanim, there's a Lushan that's Marbe Pachem Ketanim, that if, you, if you're Mazik somebody else's little jugs, so then you still owe them. You might think to say you don't owe them anything, it's worthless. No, it's something. Pachem Ketanim, it has a, a very, very slight worth, but it, it's, it's somewhat valuable, but not enough to really consider it. Chashev, chashev, but it does have value. If, I, if you destroy something like it, you owe the guy, you owe the owner. But it still is considered to be so small that it's practically insignificant. But for Yaakovina, it was significant. And then the Marshal gives a different shot. How Rashi knew that it was Pachem Ketanim. Listen to this shot. And we're going to combine both of these pshatim. The second shot that, Rashi, that, that the Marshal says that you know how Rashi knew that he went back, Yaakov went back for Pachem Ketanim? Because we find that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Yaakov, there's a medrash that says as follows, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Yaakov Avinu, Ata masarta nafshecha al pach katan bishvili. You were meiser nefesh on a small pach, on a small jug, for my sake. V'gamani ba'atzmi I will myself repay you for that 
with a pach katan of shemen that's going to be found by the chashmeinayim, and a nace will happen through that pach katan. So where do we find that Yaakov was meiser nefesh for a pach katan? Says the marshal, that's where Rashi got it from. Rashi knew this medrash, and he says, aha, it must be that he went back for this pach katan shal shemen, and that's where we find that he was meiser nefesh. And for that, HaKadosh Baruch repays him later in history by Hanukkah with a pach katan of shemen that was munach b'chaisam shal kain gadol. You know, Hasidish Svarim happened to say, interestingly enough, based on this medrash, it's hard to imagine, but this is what Svarim HaKadoshim write, that it wasn't just Stam, Mida Kenegad Mida, Pach Katan Shal Shemen Kenegad the Pach, it was actually that Pach Katan Shal Shemen. The Pach Katan Shal Shemen that Yaakovina went back for, that was the same Pach Katan Shal Shemen that they actually found in the Makkah Mikdash, that the whole nace of Hanukkah happened as a result of. Fascinating. But be that as it may, what I wanted to say was as follows. The nace of, of this Pach Shemen was this. All of the Shemadim Shebehecha were contaminated, meaning all the big jugs, the obvious big Chasheva jugs in the Mikdash were contaminated. All the shemen that was significant was defiled by the Ivanim. But you could still say that minaisar kankanim, when there's a le- very little small jog, that it's almost insignificant. It's still accurate to say that even though everything was defiled, but there was still something left over that was forgotten. And that was this pach shemen that was munach b'chaisamash l'kayin gadol. It's not a stira in how you could say because is all the big shmanim they defiled. That's what they saw. That's what they went after. But there was something small and insignificant that most people overlook. Most people would forget. Most people would consider that it doesn't even count. It's insignificant. And that's the pach shemen that's Munach B'chaisama Shalkain Gadol, a very small and significant pach, not the big, fancy pacham, the small one, that's forgotten and overlooked. And that's what the miracle of Hanukkah took place with. V'timu ko'ashmanim u'minaisar kankanim nasa neislashashanim. What I want to take from this, B'nagaya to us, this Vart is not just a Vart. This Vart is our life. This Vart is our life. We were sent down to this world for our neshama. The Chavitz Chaim used to say a mashal of a person who was not wealthy and he was a businessman and struggling to make a parnasa for his family. And the way it used to be in the olden days that was that businessmen, they went a few times a year, once or twice a year, to what was called a, a yurid. A yurid is like a big a convention. And at this convention is the time to really start drumming up business. It's not un- unlike what they have today. You know, today they also have such things. If you're in the uh, electronic business, let's say, so you go once a year or twice a year to Las Vegas or a big convention and they have, like, everyone from the industry comes and converges on Las Vegas and they have these big convention centers and big hotels and you have to hop around. You know, you have your booth and you, or, or you go and visit the booth and you go and you give your business cards out and you sign up prospects and business and you show your product off and you, you get good publicity and then you make a lot of contacts and you network and that's how you drum up business. In the olden days it wasn't called a convention, it was called the Urid, like a bazaar or like a, uh, something that people would come to 
and you have to really, really spend every minute doing your business because that's what people came for and that's what you were going to survive based on how well you do at this Yerid. So what happens is the person comes to the Yerid and he knows that he has to hit the ground running because he only has maybe 48 hours to do all the business and to bring home hopefully a lot of new accounts. And all of a sudden he bumps into Chaim that he hasn't seen since fifth grade. And Chaim starts to schmooze with him and starts reminiscing about uh, you know, the, the first grade Rebbe and how uh, we used to cause... Tra- he says, Chaim, I-, I love you, man, but I really can't spend the time right now because I have to set up my booth. And then a few minutes later, Reuven comes over to him. Reuven was his chavrusa in high school, and you know, they start... You know, he says, Reuven, I, I, I can you call me like in three days? Or right now, I need every minute to chaperain. And then something else happens, and this guy comes along, and that guy comes along, and before you know it, he's all fatumult, he's all distracted, and he forgets about the whole purpose of being there. And he starts, you know, getting shikr with some guys and eating out with other guys, and, and he starts uh, getting a haircut, and he starts going... Uh, and he comes home and his wife says, did you ha- have the Yerid go? And he says, it was, a, it was a failure. When it was a failure, I forgot my tachlis. I forgot my tafkid. I, I, I meant to do sales, but I, I got lost with all the distractions at the Yerid. A guy goes to Las Vegas for a convention. He starts gambling, he starts drinking, he starts spending all the time doing everything but... He comes home empty-handed. That's what we are at danger of being in our lives. We come down to this world. Our neshama is here to chaperain, to do taira, to do mitzvahs, to do chesed, to do kibbut avayim, to raise families, to be Isaac and Dvaram Shabiktusha to daven tefillah to daven with kavana. That's what the neshama likes. That's what the neshama thrives on. That's what the neshama is here for. And we're here for a short amount of time in this world. And we know, when we're young, we know that this is our tachlis. We have rabbeim, hopefully, that drilled into us what we're supposed to be doing. gimel. We learn Mishnayis, we learn Gemara, we start getting our neshama primed, and we have our bar mitzvah, and we put on our tefillin with kavana, and we're davening like a good yeshiva bacher. And what happens? All of a sudden, we get for our bar mitzvah present, you know, a, a shiny phone. You know the joke that a uh, bar mitzvah boy, a uh, grandfather, asks him. You know, Yingala, what would you like for your bar mitzvah present? Would you like a, a shas? Or would you like a, a watch? You know, those are the two popular bar mitzvah gifts that a grandfather might give a, a, an anakal. So he says, Zayda, get me an iPhone. It has both. That's what we're up against. So you get a brand new iPhone for your bar mitzvah present, and then all of a sudden, you know, instead of Mishnayis, instead of Gemara, we start going after C-SPAN and CNN and uh, Alavaya, you know, and, and among other things. And before you know it, we're at the Arid, which is our life, and we're wasting all of our time. All of our time is wasted with the material, with the physical. And so instead of focusing on the Nishama, on what's true and what's real and what we're here for, we start getting distracted with all the shiny objects in our life. And that takes up so much time that we are so busy with our parnasa, which is important, and we're so busy with keeping up on the politics and on the news and on the sports and on the culture and on the entertainment, which is all unimportant. that we don't have time for our neshama. We forget our neshama. The most important thing in our life 
we've forgotten because we, we got so distracted in this world from all of the other things, from schmoozing and from gambling and from drinking, that we forgot to do business for our neshama. That's why we're here. So Tyra goes down the wayside and mitzvahs, chesed, we do enough of it to you know, sort of go through the motions, but we know that we're not doing it like we're supposed to be doing it. We know that we are so super distracted that it's almost, it's almost pitiful how much time and effort we're lavishing on, on our neshama. So the neshama gets very, very little atten- attention. The guf becomes so large and so bloated from all of the, the focus that we give it. We're thinking about our vacations, we're thinking about our, our meals, we're thinking about about our parnasa, we're thinking about our homes and our cars and our all the stuff. And we make that the ikr of our life and the neshama becomes forgotten. There's a beautiful poem that was written by a Kadman. We don't know exactly who wrote it. We know his name in Rashi Tevis. I think his name was Shemaya, because that's the Rashi Tevis of all of the charuzim of that poem. But the first sentence is famous. Simu level ha-neshama leshem shivay v'achlama Pay attention to the neshama the neshama that's so precious, like Leshem Shveva Achlama, those great jewels that encrusted the Cheshen Mishpat. The neshama is so precious, it's so priceless, it's so eternal, that we have to remind ourselves, Simulev, don't forget about me, the neshama cries. The Chavetz Chaim once came into a, to a base medrash, and he said to the Talmidim, Tonight at Chatzais HaLaila, I want the entire yeshiva to gather together in the base Medrash, and I have an announcement to make. So everybody thought that the Chavetz Chaim was going to be Megala when Mashiach is going to come. That's, that, that, that has to be it. I mean, what else is he coming at Chatzais HaLaila you know, to tell us? He's going to tell us, uh, you know, what, what's he doing? He's going to sing Amalach with us? Like He's probably going to tell us like something very important tonight. Chavetz Chaim comes in to the Beis Medrash and Radin and he says the following. He says, I have a tremendous ha'ara that I thought of today and I want to share it with the Eilam. He says, the ha'ara is all based on a mapik hay, on the small dot in a hay. When you have a small dot in a hay, it transforms the word, it's like an apostrophe. So, for example, the word Isha means a, a woman or a wife. Isha, with a mapike, means his wife or her husband. Either way, but most, I think, by the, by the Nadarim, right? Isha hafeira, so means her husband, Isha. Her husband. It's, it's possessive. The mapike is possessive. So he says, I had this ha'ara, you know, I've been saying every day for the, my whole life, Chavetz Chaim Arichas Yom, as everybody knows. My whole life I've been saying something, I never was aiming on this. It says, we say, Elekai, my God, Nishamash and Asatabi Tahirahi. The neshama that you gave me is tar, it's precious, it's, it's pure. Atta varasa, you created it. Atta yetzarta, you fashioned it. Atta nasata bi, you placed it inside of me. The atta mishamra bikirbi, and you're preserving it within me. The atta osid, lachzira bi. The atta osid, so the Chavitz Chaim says that the Lushen of the Lushen Lachzira, if you look in a sitter, Lachzira has a mapike. 
You are going to return it to me. What does that mean? With a mapake. Meaning, the neshama that you placed in me, that's the same neshama that you're going to get back, that you're going to give back to me in the future. Meaning, I'm going to live with the neshama that I give back to the Rabbeinu Shalom after 120. It's not like, okay, I go through this world, I get like a loaner car, I could scratch it up and buff it up and, you know, mark it up and key it up and everything, and, you know, it's, but it's a lease car and I get a brand new one when I go up to Shemayim. No. Anything that I did to my neshama to contaminate it, to defile it, it's going to be that same neshama for Netzach Netzachim. And then the Chavetz Chaim was saying to his Talmidim that you have to preserve your neshama, you have to take care of it, you have to guard it. You have to make sure that it remains as pristine and pure as when it was given to us. Because that same neshama is going to stay with us forever. So you have to protect it and guard it and make sure that it's perfect, as perfect as we could be. And if we did things to imperfect, imperfect it and to tarnish it, then we have to do tshuva, and, and that's how we can cleanse it again and then get back to the full-fledged neshama. But the point is that we have to carry this neshama through our life and see mulevel on neshama, remember the neshama. Bear in mind at all times that we're carrying a neshama. Don't forget about it. Don't let it get lost in the shuffle of life because it is our life. It's Leshem Shvaiva It's the most valuable thing that we have. We think in life that our cars are valuable, that our homes are valuable, that our silver, gold, jewelry, watches, vacation homes, whatever it is, that's valuable. That's nothing. That's a tipa shebiyam of what we're really carrying. The most precious cargo in the world is our neshama. It's leshem shvay v'achlama. Simulev. Remember that. But we forget it. We allow ourselves to forget our neshama. We allow ourselves to get so entrapped and ensnared by Elam Hazah that we forget about our neshama. It's the greatest crime that we could commit to the Rabbeinu But worse than that crime to the Rabbeinu we're committing a crime against ourselves and our eternity by forgetting the neshama inside and cradling it and caressing it and making sure that it's always happy. The Mesut Sharm famously says that the neshama is, finds repulsive Gashmias. We like Gashmias. We like indulging in good food and, and, and good times and good, you know, kishmaka things, fancy cars, fancy homes. The neshama is repulsed by that. Shehim bin al-yainim, because it's from, it knows what real good stuff is, and this is, this is a really poor substitute for what I want. The neshama is happy. When we're able to sit around tonight on Hanukkah, and talk Tyra and sing Zmiris together, sing Nigunim, focusing on our neshama. When we can learn in the base Medrash, when we can daven Gishmak, that's what the neshama loves. That's when the neshama is happy. That's why we feel good. I was just telling somebody the other day, uh, all right, it's my son. I, I, I was telling him, you know, I said, you want to learn? He says, no. I said, you know, I understand that. I, I get that. I said, but you know something? It's very hard to start learning. It's very hard. The Yitzhahara tries to do everything to keep our Gemara closed. It's very hard to start to learn. But once you start learning, there's nothing greater than that. You can go on a vacation to Florida, and you will you know, go here and go there and go to Disney World and go to, go to you know, Epcot and this and that. But if you learn for one hour a day, that will make the vacation really geschmack. And that's the only thing that you'll remember years from then. That's what the neshama really loves. Shehimen al yainim. We think we're running after good stuff and we're making ourselves happy, but deep down inside the neshama, 
is, is repulsed by that. That's not what the Neshama wants. But the Sahara fools us into believing that the guf is the ikr and the Neshama is like almost forgotten. This is what Hanukkah is all about. The Tachlis of the Yavanim, their battle plan was very simple. Plain and simple. They wanted us to forget the Taira and they wanted to make us violate all the, the Rabbi Shalom's chukim, all of the Rabbi Shalom's desires, meaning they wanted us to focus on our guf. And that we know, that's what the Yavanim was all, were all about. Sports and Broadway and Hollywood and weightlifting and Olympics and Greek mythology, all of the, the shiny objects of life, the things that we find really appealing. That's what we like, right? We love that stuff. That's what our pastime is, right? We, we, we like, it's fascinating to, to, to watch a presidential debate and it's really you know, entertaining to watch a good movie or a good Broadway show or to read a good novel, or to be able to, you know, listen to Gaiusha music, or to be able to, uh, uh, to do everything for the guf, to, to get a, you know, a good workout, and to, you know, watch the Olympics, and to root for your baseball team, basketball team, Kishmak. There's nothing more pleasurable in this world than that for, for a guy. The Ivanim wanted to brainwash us and to make us yidden think that that's really what we should be busy with in this world. And by doing so, they wanted to snuff out the neshama of Yid. They didn't want to kill us, but they wanted to suffocate us spiritually so that our neshama is forgotten in Gansen, that it's totally forgotten. No taira, no mitzvahs. Just go after Gashmias. Go after the guf. That's what we should want in this life. And then we go up, on a silver platter, here's your neshama. And you look at it, and it looks like a charcoal piece of, you know, of steak that you can't even look at, you can't eat, you can't do anything with. Because it's completely wasted. It's completely destroyed. And we started buying into this. We started looking at everything as being really enticing, that the goof is really the main thing. The Atta Brachamecha Rabim, his infinite wisdom and mercy, said, I'm going to remind you about the Neshama. And we were reminded about the Neshama. And we started doing tshuva. And we started being Meiser Nefesh against the Ivanim, fighting back against the Ivanim. Slowly but surely, we made inroads. We're able to gain the courage and the stamina and the inspiration to beat back this influence of the Yavadim that we're perpetrating and permeating and, and making our minds and our bodies so, so full of this world and the Chachmas Yavadis that was so beautiful. The Torah says that Yefes is beautiful. There's an outward beauty that you can't deny to Yefes. But our neshama started resonating a little bit inside of us, and it started, we heard it, and we felt it, and we were able to be Meiser Nefesh, literally Meiser Nefesh, giving over the inside of us to the Rabbi Nishalom. Simu neshama, leshem lama. And when HaKadosh Baruch gave us the miracle of the Pach Shemen, that was the ultimate reflection of what was really going on in the world. Vitimu Koashmanim, all of the Shemen was defiled by the Ivanim. They took all the big, beautiful things in the world and they defiled it. They took song and they defiled it. And they took Chachma and they defiled it. And they took the Guf and they defiled it. They were metame everything, all the shmanim, but 
There was a little pachshemen that represents the inner spark inside of us, the little oil that we always have remaining. And that no matter how deep and dark the gallus is, we always can tap into it. If we just remember the neshama, we could tap into it. And we can once again kindle a great fire that could last much longer than we naturally think it's able to. And that's the neshama. I think when the Maisur wrote that extra Yud, Yevanim Nikbitsu Alai, the Yevanim gathered against us, Azai Bimechashmanim, it doesn't mean just Oz Bimechashmanim, Azai meaning already from then. That's when the Yevanim started, but they never stopped. Just because the miracle happened, the Yevanim never ended their assault against our Neshama. Already then they started being metameit. But we see in our own galas what's still happening. How they're constantly bombarding our eyes and our ears and our bodies and our minds with toma from all sides. But from the extra leftover kankanim, from that little flask that was totally bottle, mavoto, klape, all the big shmanim, all the big oil, all the gashmias in the world, but there was a little shemen in a pach that was forgotten, it was insignificant, it was negligible, so much so that the Gemara says that timu kalashmanim, but there was a little pach. And the same way that Yaakov Avinu went back he went and he, he had to spend time with himself. He had to internalize that there is a neshama, there is a pach shemen, I'm going to be meiser nefesh for it. That happened again during the times of the Ivanim. That same pach shemen again reappears because of the Messias Nefesh of Yaakov Avinu. We also, every year, the Shaishanim, the, the roses, us, we find the Pachshemen within. We know that it's there. We have to cultivate it more. We have to make it center stage, put it on a pedestal, remind ourselves why we're here. Be mispaydeid, vayivaser Yaakov levadai. Think about the Neshama, simu levan Neshama. Leshem Shvaiva That's the nace of Hanukkah. We have to think again a little bit about the forgotten Pachshemen that's within. Munach Bechaisamashal Kayengadol, the Rabbinishalam, Kedusha, uncontaminated. As bad as we may be, as many Averis as we may have committed in our life, and hopefully it's fewer than more. But even if it's the worst Averis in the world, I'm telling you here tonight, that we have inside of us such purity. There's always a little Pach Shemen inside, deep inside. That's Munach Bechaisama Shokain Gadol that Yavah never touched. That the Gayim never defiled. And that stays pure forever. And from that spark, from that little drop of oil, that's Munach Bechais Nisim could happen. We could change our entire Metzius from that little Pachshem, and just like that little Pachshem was able to last many nights, night after night after night, miraculous, our little Pachshem that we have within, Bikdusha of Atara, can overpower everything in this dark Allah. And don't ever just accept the status quo and say, well, listen, my Yetzirah is so strong. And I love this type of thing. I love my video games. I love my YouTube. I love my, my Instagram. I, love my, I, can't, I can't. I can't. I'm sorry. Don't accept that. Don't allow that to be a given. Hanukkah, we look at the Neiris, and the Neiris are the Neshama. Look at the lights in front of you. Did you ever see something so strange in, in nature? 
as a, as a, as a flame? Show me something else like a flame in nature. It's nothing like it. Look, it's pure ruchni. You look at a fire, it doesn't belong in this world. Our neshama, ner Hashem nishmas adam, we have a fire within. It's not in this world. It's something completely ruchnius. It's a piece of God that we have inside of us. And we could do anything that we want. We just have to beat back the Yavanim. The nace didn't end then. It started then, but it didn't end then. It's a never-ending battle that we have to wage against the Yitzhara, against Yavan, against the Cheshkas HaGolos that we're in, 2,000 years without a Beis HaMikdash. And look at us. Yes, we have our weaknesses. Yes, we are not perfect in any way. But look at us. Laman Hashem, 2,000 years of gullus, of persecutions, of holocausts, and of the American experience of a golden gullus that is so embracing of us. doesn't matter what our religion is. It doesn't matter. You could still be a, a U.S. senator. You could be a presidential uh, son-in-law, you can uh, you could do anything. You're able to, to be a, you know, CEO of a big company. You're able to be uh, very popular in Hollywood, very big in investment banking, very big in uh, every. You could do anything you want. There's nothing stopping you. Medicine, law, everything. The world is open to you. And still, we're able to be here tonight in New York 2020, and be able to have a room full of Bachrim, B'nai Taira, on the highest levels, who sit and learn Taira, who are doing the right thing day in and day out, that's a miracle. The battle continues. We all have to find that Pachshemen within and use that to light up our our lives in this Gaulus and to light up the future Dairis because they also will need the Shemen from our Pach Shemen. And the, mirror, and the, the celebration of Hanukkah is the Kavu Shemanis Me Hanukkah Lahaydes This Yantib is Halal. Halal is the is the defining Aveda of Yantiv. You know why? What's the last Pasuk and Tehillim? Call on Neshama to Halal Ka. The Neshama ultimately, you know what it does? It says Halal. That's what the Neshama does. All day, it just says Halal. I'll call Neshima, Neshima, Tainle Halal. We owe HaKadosh Baruch for every breath a Halal. On this holiday of the Neshama, the Avaida is sing halal, because that's the Avaida of the Neshama. There is a Talmud in Panovich, his name was Binyamin. He was a little bit different than the other Talmidim in Panovich. His parents very much wanted him to join the Israeli army. And this is going back to 1970s. In 1972, 73, finally his parents convinced him to leave Panovich Yeshiva and to join the army. And it was very uh, upsetting for a lot of the Rabbeim and for his friends. No one ever did that before. And then came the 1973 war, the Yom Kippur War. Terrible, terrible war. I remember when I was a little child on Yom Kippur, my parents and a lot of people, they left the radio on in the basement to hear the updates because it was a it, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a terrible terrible thing what was going on and uh, the army the Israeli army was losing at first and and they thought that the end was near Sukkis they left the radio on also to hear that we were petrified by what was going on in Eretz Israel and the uh, ultimately there were Nisim and Iflais and they were able to beat back the enemy Binyamin as he was fighting in the war 
missed Panovich. He missed his yeshiva, he missed his friends, he missed his rabbeim. And in the middle of the war, they, uh, you know, they would get mail from time to time, and he got a postcard, and it was a very bad day that the postcard arrived in, but then he, he was given it, and he looked at it, and he read the following. It says like this, Dear Binyamin, I hope all is well. I am constantly thinking about you and wondering how you are doing. I hope you are safe and doing well, and I will continue praying for you. Looking forward to seeing you soon, your friend Shmuel. That was the postcard. He got the postcard, and he was thinking, now I thought I knew all of my friends' names in Panovich. I don't remember Shmuel. It was addressed from Panovich. Shmuel, who could Shmuel be? And he was, but this card gave him such chizuk that he had friends, they remembered him, they were longing to see him again, they were davening for him, they still cared about him even though they were, you know, they were upset that he had left them, but they still loved him and they cared about him and it gave him chizuk throughout the whole war. And after the war was over and after he got his, uh, you know, his petur to go home, he went back to Panovich. And he was looking forward to meeting all of his friends. And as soon as he came into the base medrash, his friends came and gathered around him and hugged him and kissed him. And in the back of his mind, he was still like looking for like, which one of these friends is Shmuel? And then one of his rabbeim came over to him and gave him a big hug and a big kiss and said, Binyamin, it's so, I'm so happy to see you. I was davening for Achena B'nai Yisrael, every day of the Mulcham, I was davening day and night, and I had you in mind in particular. He says, thank you, Rabbi, it really means so much to me. So he says, by the way, did you get my postcard? And all of a sudden he realized that Shmuel was the great Rabbi Shmuel Rizovsky, Rashiva Panovich, who wrote to him, who cared about him, who loved him, who considered him, besides for his Talmud, he considered him his friend. And that postcard was so him before he knew who Shmuel was and after he realized who Shmuel was, that he went back after he was released from the army and he stayed in Panovich many, many years and he became a very big Talmud Chacham. And I was thinking that, in a way, that's sort of what we're going through in our life. We're battling a war. Every day we have a battle. And Baruch Hashem, it's not a Yom Kippur war that we're going through, but it's a spiritual war. And we have our phones and we have our laptops. And we're wired in so many different ways. And then we go on the subway and we go on the streets and we see the billboards and the magazines and the newspapers. And then we have classes and then we... It never ends. We're bombarded on all sides. It's a melchama mamish. And sometimes we get a postcard from a Shmuel Rizovsky that's inside of us. And the postcard is saying, I'm thinking about you. I'm here for you. I love you. I'm concerned about you. I'm davening for you. I'm your friend. And that postcard is our neshama. And it sends messages to us. Maybe not enough. And maybe it's not loud enough and not clear enough. But every once in a while we get a kiss from our neshama. Sometimes when we're davening gishmak, sometimes when we're learning gishmak, sometimes when we're able to be meiser nefesh and we were about to do an avera and we somehow find it within ourselves to stop. And the Shama is telling us, please, simulev, just pay attention, remember me, remind yourself that I exist. And when you're able to do that, it's able to make the Mulchama so much easier to know that you have the Neshama that's on your side and that's so pure and so full of Kedusha and untampered with. And when you think that you are Metame, all the Shemanim, 
then you remember that no, there's a Pach Shemen that I have within that's Munach B'chaisamash al Gadol. It's completely pure. There's an essence to me that's so Kaidesh Kadashim. And if we want to ignite that neshama, if we want to make that neshama be the dominant force in our life, there's no greater time to heed it and to shine a light on it than Hanukkah. It's a time of Hallel Tomorrow morning we're going to say Hallel and it's the neshama saying Hallel. Let the neshama sing. Let the neshama express itself finally. Let it out. And when you see the candles in front of you now or by the menorah tomorrow night, we have a few nights left, look at the menorah, look at the nearest and let it be a reflection of the neshama within. Remind ourselves that we have a neshama tahira. You are going to give that neshama back to me. Let's perfect our neshama. Let's make sure our neshama is happy with us. This is the time to start the battle again. This is not ancient history. Chanukah. Chanukah is azai bimei chashmanim. It happened then, but it continues till today. And we have to battle perhaps stronger and more valiantly, more courageously, more ferociously today than ever before. Maybe what we have today, the scenario today, is a million times harder than it was during the times of the Yevanim of old. What did they have? They didn't have social media. They didn't have the internet. They didn't have all the Aviyavai Satoma that we have, cable and everything, Lamineim. They didn't have that. We do. And it seems sometimes that we're with Timur Ashmanim, all the Shmanim are defiled, but it's not true. That's the Eight Sahara trying to tell you to throw in the towel, to just surrender. But we never did that in Klai Yisrael. We were Meiser Nefesh and we fought back during the times of the Yavanim. Until today, every Dar has fought valiantly this battle. And we must fight as well. We have to open up the Gemara as heavy as it is and then begin to allow Neshama to swim and to fly and to soar and to be misanig in the Torah Kedisha that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us and in the mitzvahs HaTaira that are our lifeline and our lifeblood in a way that we could feel the Neshama that Eineg Ruchni that we love feeling but we obfuscate and we we smother with bad decisions in our life we have to stop those bad decisions on Hanukkah and then we could be from there on using this as our springboard to be able to go la'ela u'la'ela Rabbi said before you leave